All right, I'm here with Jamie Pender. This is episode 87, 89, something like that. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on. Oh, yes. So tell us about yourself, you know, just a little background because, you know, everybody's listening like, who's Jamie? (laughs) So I got into bodybuilding uh, about seven years ago. Um, I was actually a very uh, bad alcoholic and I used to smoke a lot of cigarettes and I just one day decided I wanted a different life and I always admired female athletes. So um, I decided to quit drinking, quit smoking, and I had a lot of free time. So I decided to get into the gym. Um, I started weightlifting with my brother and my dad and they got me into like heavy training and it was like very empowering for me. And um So I kept up with the weight training and I ended up meeting another competitor who brought me to Team U and I saw my first uh, bodybuilding show at Team U and that was in, I think that was in 2008 or 9 and I saw the figure girls because they didn't have women's physique back then Hmm. Um, and I like fell in love with it I was like that is what I want to do. So uh, it it was around 2000. 7 2008 is when I started getting myself ready to compete um, and I worked my way all the way up to the Olympia stage within just a couple of years um, I started as a bikini competitor I did three bikini shows and I failed miserably at all three of them <laughs> and then I jumped into women's physique in 2012 was my first women's physique show Um, I did the New Englands, and I won my class. Two weeks later, went to nationals, won my pro card. Six months later, I won my pro debut. And 12 weeks later, I was at my first um, Olympia ever. So it's been kind of like a whirlwind for me, uh, but it's been an awesome ride, and I absolutely love it. The last show that I did was the Olympia this year, where I placed 11th. Um, the previous year I was in the top five, I was fifth place last year. So I, uh, jumped down a couple ranks, <laughs> but, um, now I'm just kind of getting myself reorganized in other parts of my life. And I just got this schedule for 2018. So now I'm starting to kind of think about what I'm going to do next. Mm-hmm. What, what is that like competing all the time? Is that, is that, uh, is that overwhelming at all? Or is it like, it's all jolly good fun? Um, so actually the first couple years that I competed, um, it was a little, like, it was a little overwhelming and I think it actually took my body by surprise. So from 2010 until 2000 and about, I think like 14, I pretty much was just competing and competing and competing. And by the end of 2014, my body started really fighting me on it. Um, So I actually had to take an entire year off from competing, which was the best thing I could have done for my body, Um, because the next year that I came back in 2016 was my best look ever. Um, So it can get it it can get a little bit stressful on your body. It can get a little bit stressful on life, Um, you know, because bodybuilding is one of those sports that's kind of all encompassing. Like, it's not just that you have to, you know, practice your sport for X amount of hours a week. I mean, you also are very dedicated to your diet and your your nutrition. That whole part of it really um, introduces in a social aspect to the sport that a lot of other sports don't have. 
Um, because if you're in prep and you have to go to someone's wedding, um, a lot of times you're not able to partake in the drinking and in the eating of the food at the celebration, you're a little bit more tired. So, um, it does have some like impacts on other parts of your life that other sports don't. Um, but for me, I feel so fortunate and so grateful that I found something that I love this much that I do feel like when I am getting ready for shows, it's like playtime for me um, because I enjoy it so much and because I'm so passionate about it. It doesn't seem like work. Um, so I'm one of those people where like I need someone to force me to take a break from competing. Um, otherwise, I run myself into the, gr- <laughs> the ground pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally understand that kind of aspect. It's like go, go, go. Don't right. stop. Um you know, you want to compete whatever, how many, ever many times you can in a year. Um, and you want to maximize and you always want right. to get better. And it's like, well, you got to take time. And I think that's uh, very important for almost any sport. I mean, if you don't take time to learn or change your body or do all these other things, um, like you're never going to get better. You're just going to compete to compete. It's not really helping that much. Right, right. And I feel like a lot of the competitors that you see on stage that from year to year, they're not making many changes. A lot of times those are the competitors that aren't taking any off time. Um, They really aren't taking any long off seasons to improve. They're pretty much trying to stay in show shape, you know, year round, which if you're trying to do that, it's really hard to make any improvements because you never get to the point where you're eating enough food or you're backing off on the cardio enough that you can actually gain any muscle back. So a lot of times those competitors that you see that are doing it year after year, uh, show after show, you don't see them change very often. Um, so I've always been someone that I, I've, I've been lucky enough that I have coaches that have forced me into off seasons that every time I come back to the stage, I'm coming back better. Mm-hmm. And have you sustained any injuries or are you one of the lucky ones? I have had more than a handful of injuries. (laughs) Um, So going into my prep uh, for Chicago last year, I actually hurt my lower back. And I was out of commission for a couple weeks. Um, But I still was able to get back into the prep and um, I won the show. So it didn't set me back that much. Um, But it definitely was a wake-up call for me um, because I was – I was I was on bed rest for a couple weeks or a week or two. I don't remember how long it was, but um, that was definitely a little setback. But it taught me that I really need to start listening to my body um, and really taking care of it better, doing more stretching, more more like active recovery stuff, which a lot of bodybuilders do not do. Mm-hmm. Um, so now after that injury, I stretch every single morning, um, like 15 minutes every single day. It allows me to not only prevent injuries, but I can train harder, and my I really feel like my muscles look better because I do it too. Um, and then this year, right after the Olympia, I was actually planning on doing the Ferrigno Legacy, which was about two or three weeks ago. Um, but it was about two or three weeks after the Olympia, I... Uh, pulled something in my hip flexor. So, and I had a, a small tear somewhere in my hip flexor. So I decided not to do the Frigno legacy, which was kind of sad, but um, it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm still kind of recovering from that right now. 
Mm-hmm. And you mentioned stretching like that, that. I think it's very important to do other things besides what your craft is. I mean, I feel like recovery is like so important. Um, you know, there's so many different things. Um, I personally like the hyperbaric chamber because it feels like it. I don't know what it is about that, but it lets go of all the soreness. Of course, right. it's oxygen oxygenated. Um, a lot of people don't use it, and I think you should use it every once in a while. It's expensive. That's the problem. I was going to say, I think a lot of people don't use that is because of the expense and the convenience. I know for me, like, I don't even know where there's one around here that I would be able to go use. So, uh, you know, it, it really also depends on is that service, like, accessible to people? Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I would love to try, like, the cryotherapy, but for me to do that, I would have to drive like 45 minutes, like just one way. So it ends up not only costing me a good amount of money to go do it and actually get the service, but then I've got to spend the money on gas. I've got to take, you know, an hour and a half out of my day in order just to drive there. Um, And I really think that some of those therapies are also like you should be doing them right after the workout. So I don't even know how beneficial something like cryotherapy would be if you have to drive like 45 minutes just to get to it, you know? Yeah, I I totally understand. But, you know, I've had this idea that most, I think gyms should have uh, cryotherapies in them. I've seen a few gyms that have that. Um, I also also think there should be, you know, hyperbaric chambers as well. Um, I mean, like some of the best uh, best facilities have recovery stuff. Um, Right. And the, the, the problem is like, they don't have it and the problem is you have to get certified in those things um and they're, they're you know most doctors there's only like a few doctors that can use them i mean you can go to your local hospital and use hyperbaric chamber but they're right you need all these things that have to line up but i feel like uh these new methods or they're not necessarily new but these methods they're becoming cheaper and cheaper and um I think it's a great investment for any gym to get like a hyperbaric chamber or uh, some type of recovery because it can be used multiple times and um, there's not really, uh, I mean, it's it's an expense, but it's it. I think it helps athletes so, so much. Um, oh, I totally agree. I think, I think in bodybuilding in general, we are probably the sport that pays the least amount of attention to recovery. Because when I even started in this sport, like, like nobody talked about foam rolling or recovery or deep tissue massage or there's just like no there really wasn't that much information out there about it at all and nobody really was talking about it it wasn't until I think it was John Meadows when I was doing his training programs he introduced me to foam rolling and I remember he put out like a little video on on recovery and foam rolling and stretching um but before that, there wasn't a whole lot in the bodybuilding world when it came to recovery days or even just stretching or foam rolling or any kind of those like recovery techniques. It's like bodybuilders are kind of like lazy in that aspect, you know, and it's unfortunate because it brings so much benefit not only to their performance in the gym, but it also makes the quality of your muscle tissue look better. So you're going to look fuller. You're going to have more deep striations. You're going to have just a better muscle quality if you're actually taking care of the muscle better. And if people think of like their stretching and their foam rolling and their recovery as just another step to making their physique look the best on stage, I think they would actually start doing it a lot more. 
Mm-hmm, yeah, I think I think it needs to be implemented more, especially with body. You know, I mean, I don't know how many, I don't know how many times it's it. They, you know, it's all about just lifting weights. It's not uh-huh. there's all, you know, just lifting as much as you can, not really caring about what happens afterwards. Not like you can't just lift weights and then just walk away and say, "Oh, I'm good." It it, right. it doesn't work that way. It, you know, your body's gonna break, and I see so many injuries like that um, because they don't take care of themselves i'm like well if you did like 15 minutes of stretching or did this yeah. and that just before and i'm not saying you know spend an hour i'm saying do like a little bit um it would prevent injuries of, of course it will also keep you it would recover you faster i mean it's just right. uh, it's a fact and i don't know what it is about bodybuilders i don't know what the mentality is going in saying no no i don't want to do it Especially the old school guys, too. They're the hardest to, like, get them to budge on anything. Yeah, because... You know, their way, it's like, it's, oh, well, it's always been this way. And I've been bodybuilding for 20 years, and I've done it this way. And, you know, it's hard for them to kind of, like, break out of that mentality that they've had for the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. I feel like people get stuck with their uh, kind of philosophy. Even if, you know, whether it's nutrition, whether it's how how they lived you know you know i mean like the, the you know they don't keep up with the science and and i think that's a huge problem i mean of course you can mean i mean it just it just doesn't work i don't know what why people don't implement it more i feel like it should be implemented more um i totally agree what i try and do for like because i i actually coach a lot of clients um i coach people that are just like general weight loss all the way up to um, you know, um, high level competitors. And what I tell them is when I give you a certain amount of time of cardio to do in the morning. So say if I tell you, you're one of my clients, all right, you have to do 30 minutes of cardio five times a week. Well, I tell them, okay, so instead of thinking that you have 30 minutes in the morning that you have to dedicate to your cardio, block off 45 minutes. So that way you already in your mind are conceptualizing that you need 45 minutes in the morning to do your cardio because after that that 30 minutes, you're going to do your 15 minutes of stretching. And then you're already all done for the day if you do it that way. So if you kind of just add on that stretching time to whatever cardio regimen you're doing, sometimes that makes it a little bit easier for bodybuilders to get used to doing it. Mm-hmm. I have a great question. This is always – I ask everyone this and I always uh-huh. get – Tons of different answers. What is your nutritional philosophy? Ooh, like in contest prep or in general or? or? I mean, all around, like, you know, give me both. I would like to know both. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Everyone's like as a coach, like everyone's body is so very different. I don't believe in one specific philosophy because there are so many different ways that bodies respond to nutrition and to diet. Um, and even my body from season to season responds differently to different things. Um, so I really feel like when it comes to nutrition, you have to be very individually based. It can't be something, you know, you can't just put everyone in this one big jar and like, be like, Oh, this is, this is always going to work for everyone because that's not the way that the body works. And, I am also a coach and a trainer where I am very, very open-minded and I love learning new things from other people. So I don't have like one specific way that I diet my people. I don't have one specific way that I do 
um, like off-season diets for people. It really is tailored to that specific person and to their needs and what they're doing at the time. Um, one, like some of my like basic rules is I never eat anything out of a cellophane wrapper. Um, so I really stay away from any bars. I really don't use any protein powders very often, maybe once in a while in the off season. Um, but during contest prep, I'm using all whole foods. Um, the quality of food is the most important thing. So I'm always trying to keep the types of food that I have in my diet and in my clients' diets to be very seasonal. That way you know you're getting fresher, more quality food. Um, and, I mean, other than – and obviously, like, I don't do any dairy in my plans. Um, I just find that the lactose just causes too many issues with people digestionally. It also causes like systemic in inflammation, so I try to keep it out completely. Um, and yeah, just keeping the food really clean. Um, trying not to do too many of like the bars and like the the shakes. I try and like stay away from that stuff, just because I find that when people start incorporating more of the shakes and more of the bars, um, they just have more digestional distress. Um, there are two or three bars on the market right now that I actually allow my clients to use because they're made out of all whole food and don't have any chemicals in them. Um, but other than that, they're pretty much using all whole food. And I feel like for the most part, when I do diets that way, um, people just feel better when they eat like that. And I feel better when I eat like that. So you know, I think the most important thing when it comes to nutrition and to training and anything that we're doing is your quality of life. Like if you are, if your body feels really good and it feels really good with the high quality food you're putting into it, then you're going to train harder. You're going to feel better and you're, you're going to recover faster. That, that, okay. That's interesting that you mentioned no bars. What, what is like your opinion on supplements? So I always say that supplements are just that. They're a supplement to a really good diet and training plan. Um, you know, I have a couple of clients that they can't afford to be buying like pre-workouts and intra-workouts and all of these other supplements that, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able to take um, and I suggest them to them. But sometimes things like that are outside of people's budget or um, you know, maybe they're allergic to, you know, like some of the ingredients and things. Um, so here's the thing. You can still have a fantastic physique and become very healthy without using tons of supplements throughout the day. I mean, I think that it's important to stick with the basics like a, like a greens mix and a multivitamin um, you know, fish oil, those things are great things to incorporate. But do I think that you're going to fail as a bodybuilder if you don't take a pre-workout? No. Do I think that some things that you take like pre, intra, and post workout are important and can give you a little bit of an edge? Sure. Absolutely. Um, but you always have to think about your supplements as just that. They're a supplement to a really good diet and training plan. So your most important thing is not going to be you know, what you're doing supplement wise, the most important thing is being consistent in your diet and your training. That's where you're going to see most of your progress. Yes, I do agree on that. That That is uh, something that I, I think everyone agrees on. Um, 
I think supplements, everyone has like a different opinion. I think nobody really needs supplements. Um, mm. That's my my way of looking at it because it's not, I mean, it depends what you're doing. It gives you like a, I don't know, a boost, a certain percentage of a boost or faster recovery, stuff like that. Um, right. And it, it depends on your sport. I mean, bodybuilding, you can take it mostly any supplement correct i mean pretty much yeah 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 in other sports there's a lot of uh anti-doping agencies that ban uh those type of supplements it's hard to find a good supplement um if you yeah that's another right Mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's very difficult it's like you know if i go to gnc you know 90% 90% of the supplements are banned or uh, prohibited or something that, you know, there's something that you can't have. Um, so right. it's, it's hard to find, like, if you're in a certain type of sport, it's hard to find that specific supplement. Um, and also tainted supplements are a big issue. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's, it, I think, I, I, you know, I haven't found like a supplement company where I'm like, oh my God, they're the best, best, you know? Um, it's interesting. I mean, the best ones that I have come across are the ones that are completely transparent in what they put in their products. When I look on the back of a label and it says proprietary blend, I automatically am putting that supplement back on the shelf because you're not telling me how much of each one of those ingredients I'm ingesting into my own body. And that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> like, I want to know exactly what I'm putting into my body. And if you can't tell me that, I don't. I don't know that that is I think that's an that's an important element of having a supplement. So I am actually sponsored by um, Granite Supplements. And one of the reasons why I was willing to work with them was because they put the amounts of absolutely every ingredient on every bottle. So you know exactly what you're putting into your body and you know exactly what amount of everything you're putting into your body. Um, so I think it's important if you're trying to pick a supplement to use that you're using one where they're giving you, they're telling you exactly what's in it. Um, and they're not trying to blindside you with some proprietary blend. Um, that's, that's kind of like my best advice. And obviously going with something that you're actually going to consistently use because a lot of the supplements that you're taking for bodybuilding, you know, you want to be using them on a consistent basis so that it's actually helpful for you. Um, so you want it to be something that you actually enjoy taking, like that doesn't taste terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your opinion on like taste? Is that like a lot of people put a kind of high value on that. If it doesn't taste good, then, you know, it's out of the park. You know, I'm not, no matter, you know, if it's cricket, cricket protein with the highest protein or whatever, I don't care. Like, like, like that is out the way. That's too weird. You know? Um, yeah, I've tried cricket protein. It's not. I was gonna say, what did you think of it? It's. I haven't tried it yet. It's does. It's not disgusting, but it's. It's just weird because I know it's crickets, and I know it has the highest protein. It's like some ridiculous, like eighty grams, uh, like per like it's it's a ridiculous amount of protein, but right. You know the fact that I'm eating crickets just doesn't register. Um, and it's not that great. But it, you, it doesn't taste. If great. you didn't know that it was crickets, do you think that you would? probably be well just to... just based off the, the stats off of it yes like yeah just because of how amazing it is it would mean like i wouldn't have to take as much as i like it would be just less 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 like it just has a lot more than it it needs i mean right like, um i think it's like 80 grams i'm not sure how how the exact number but it's ridiculous um but it tastes i don't not really great taste um uh, 
Yeah. It's also crickets, so that just it's just a major <laughs> kind of like um not taking that, but um, yeah. I do suggest anyone try it. Maybe you might like it. I don't know. It's, it's just weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to give it a go one of these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it has ridiculous stats from what I, uh, I've i seen. I'm like, huh. Yeah. It and, uh, but yeah, cricket protein. Not, you know, I didn't even know it existed. I was like, what are you talking about? Um, and someone said, oh, cricket protein has the highest protein out of anything. Doesn't matter what it is. It does. I'm like, well, that's that was the strangest thing. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe you could get used to crickets. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. And it, yeah, but when it comes to like, when it comes to like flavor, I guess it really depends on the product. I really think that like something like my bees, my intro workout, like has to taste good. Otherwise, I'm not gonna drink it during my workout. Um, something like a pre-workout, I I'm less fussy about because. I usually only mix it with maybe like four ounces of water and I'm just downing it like a shot. Um, so if it doesn't taste great, it's not a huge deal. But if it's something that I have to like sip on throughout my workout, I want it to taste good. Otherwise, it's just going to sit there and I'm not going to drink it. Um, and then when it comes to protein powders, I mean, I really don't do that many protein powders in the first place. Um, but I'm generally like not very picky just because... It's usually the only reason I'm usually using them is because of convenience. So I'm usually in a rush anyway. So I'm not like taking my time to like even taste what I'm putting down my throat. I'm just trying to get it in so I can get that meal in. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you feel like well, what? Why don't you use protein powders? Because you think it's better to get them out of Whole Foods sources. I so I like food. So, so that's one reason I like to eat. <laughs> um, so I just, I prefer like, usually, especially when I'm in contest prep, like I'm usually pretty hungry. So if I just have a shake, that's not satiating me at all. Um, so if I actually have like chicken or fish instead of a protein shake, I feel fuller. Um, plus I just feel like I just, I just feel better when I don't use them. Um, a lot of times they have like fillers in them or they have other chemicals in them or preservatives. Um, so I like to kind of like try to stay clear of that stuff as much as I can. Um, so if for me, it doesn't, um, you know, I don't think that it's so much more convenient to have it that I keep it in. So I just prefer it that way. I, my body feels better that way. Um, I don't have to worry about, okay, well, if I run out of protein powder and have to go get one quick, you know, am I going to get a shitty one at, you know, when I go to GNC, am I going to like the flavor? Am I, you know, or is it just going to sit in my closet for a month after I have one scoop? So, um, I don't know. I just prefer the whole foods. It just makes me feel a lot better. That's interesting. Yeah. A lot of people don't don't use whole foods because you know they want to get more out of it i'm not sure what i don't know i don't know if it's better or worse but you know i'm no i'm no rd so (laughs) i I feel like especially when i'm giving protein powders as a meal option to my clients that's when people have digestional distress people have more stomach issues with protein powders than if i give them whole food to eat at every meal um so people you know, I'll start introducing protein powders into their plan and then they come back to me and check in with me the next week and they're like, 
oh, I'm so gassy or, oh, I'm so bloated or, oh, you know, I'm so constipated this week. I don't understand why. And then we pull the protein powder and their digestion goes back to normal. So, I mean, there's something to be said for just the digestional aspect of it. But there are a couple brands out there. Um, like I know metabolic nutrition has a protein powder that has like a probiotic in it. And I find that's probably one of the ones that I suggest to my clients the most because it does digest the best. Um, or staying away from like, you know, anything that has any lactose in it. So going with something like the beef protein powder or like, um, a pea or a brown rice protein powder, um, or any kind of like vegan protein powder, um, as long as you're adding leucine in there, um, you get a complete protein. Um, and those seem to have less digestional distress on people. That's interesting. I mean, um, digestion is like, you know, I think it's important and people don't really like, and I don't think people notice it as much. Like, um, I, you have problems, but you don't, you just go through them. Um, and then people start saying, well, I feel this, I feel that. I don't think people share the feelings as much. No. And I always have to yell at my clients because it'll be like the week of the show and they won't tell me until like the night before the show that they haven't, like they've been constipated for like four days. And I'm like, you have to tell me this stuff ahead of time, like communicate with me. So like when it, especially when it comes to bodybuilding or any kind of sport, like if you have a coach that is in charge of your nutrition, you need to be okay with like telling them how your digestion is. You know, if you're constipated for a couple of days, they probably can do something to your diet that's going to make it so that you can, you're, you're going to feel a lot better and you're actually going to start going to the bathroom again because if your digestion is not up to par, then your body isn't utilizing all the nutrients you're putting into it at its best. So if your digestion sucks, well, guess what? Your The amount of nutrients you're getting into your muscles is going to suck too, which means that your muscle development is not going to be what you want it to be. So people need to really start taking their nutrition a lot more seriously, and then it's going to reflect in their physique and in their progress. Mm -hmm. And what is that like, you know, um, coaching people that compete? I mean, (laughs) is it, is it, is it like, just give me kind of an overview of how you feel about it. Um, well for me, it's like one of the most rewarding things I can do in my life. Um, but it, for me, it's way more rewarding to like see a client just achieve a goal that they set out to do way more than just watching them like win a show. Like, yes, it's awesome watching your clients win a show. That's great. And having them place well, that's awesome. And to see that joy that they have and just being part of that experience, that's awesome. But You know, I also have a lot of clients where they aren't really placing great, but this is something that they have done to overcome some other kind of obstacle in their life, whether it be like, you know, I had one client who had just gotten divorced and she was a single mom. And this is something that she had always been wanting to do, but she could never do it because her husband never wanted her to do it. Um, And so for her getting on stage, she didn't place, but it was empowering for her. So to be part of that experience for someone like that to change their life in that positive way and having them achieve that awesome goal, even though they didn't get a trophy, that to me is like, 
that's what I feel is like kind of like part of why I'm put on this earth to kind of like help people achieve whatever goals they have. Um, and to make them realize that, you know, depending on how bad they want something, they can have anything they want in life. It really depends on how badly you want it and how much mm -hmm. you're willing to work for it and how much of yourself you're willing to dedicate to it. Um, so I feel very, very fortunate that I have people that come to me for coaching and for, I, not only do I do like contest prep, but I also do like life coaching for people. And that's probably the most rewarding work that I do personally. And it's, it's the reason I get up every morning. Um, and I'm one of those people that when I get up every morning, I can't wait to go to work because I love what I do. Um, and I love just like helping people achieve their dreams and goals. But um, on the flip side of that, you know, that's like the awesome part of coaching. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, you know, it can get a little frustrating working with um, some like clients that are very new to the sport and new to nutrition. Um, you know, you work with someone for maybe 12 weeks and then at the end of the 12 weeks, you tell them to maybe like, you know, oh, why don't you pull pull your carbs from your last meal? And they go, oh, you mean so I should take the chicken out? And <laughs> so people who, you know, you get some of those clients where they they still don't understand what the difference between like a protein and a carb is. And that can be a little frustrating, especially if you've drilled it into their heads over and mm -hmm. over again. But um, I mean, I think that comes along with any kind of job you have that you deal with people. Um, because people are people, people are humans, everyone's got that, that margin of human error, and everyone's got their own, like, little, you know, personalities, so, uh, luckily, I really enjoy working with all of my clients, and they can be a little, um, they can be, you know, airheads once in a while, especially towards the end of prep. Um, but generally, I have a lot of people that work really hard and who really appreciate the time that I put into them. So they, you know, they do the best they can with what I'm giving them when it comes to instruction and di direction. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I feel like, you know, I don't know. I feel like coaches like you are not just coaches. They're like therapists or like they, they have like oh, so yes. many jobs. I mean, like, I'm like, wow, that, that is an amazing, like, like you're doing all these other things and people think, oh, you're just helping them with nutrition. I'm like, no, they're therapists. Okay. They have to talk to them. They have to communicate. Oh yeah. And you know, if someone shuts down and stops communicating or doesn't know how to communicate the right things, it's always, I feel like it's, it's just, uh, I don't know. I feel like you have so many things to do. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Especially when you are working with people like one-on-one -on -one with the personal training. Um, because you're, you know, I'm spending like an hour with them and you've got some of those rest breaks in between sets. And, you know, if you're training someone multiple times a week, you do, you, you, you become pretty much their therapist. But that's actually um, part of the job that I really love. Like, I love the life coaching part of what I do. So I have a lot of clients that, you know, have been able to do really awesome things with their life and take steps that they've never thought they were ever going to be strong enough to take in their personal life outside of the gym um, because of the conversations we have while we are training. So that to me is, 
probably the most important part of my job is that whole kind of like therapist aspect to it. Mm-hmm. As much as I love changing people's bodies, if you're if you're able to make someone into a stronger person mentally, that's going to carry them through so many other areas of their life beyond just their bodies. It's going to help their bodies, but it's also going to help their relationships. It's going to help their work. It's going to help just their quality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've been to the Olympia. So I, this is a great question because, you know, a lot of people want like competing. They want to compete or, you know, they're, they're in this many different positions. So how do you get to Olympia in the sense of like, uh, like the mental aspect, the, the physical aspect and stuff like that? So the number one thing is like if you're a competitor and you're an amateur competitor and you really want to make it to the Olympia stage, the most important thing, first of all, is believing that you can make it there. If you already are telling yourself, oh, my God, it's going to be so hard for me to make it to the Olympia. I'm never going to make it to the Olympia. Oh, my God, it's going to take me years to get to the Olympia. Guess what? You're never going to get to the fucking Olympia (laughs) because you are already telling yourself that you're not going to do it. So the first thing you need to do is just believe that you can actually do it and tell yourself over and over and over again every single day that I am making it to the Olympia. I am an Olympia athlete. Um, I think that when people actually start believing in themselves, it it changes the game for them completely. I know for myself, I had a lot of people that were doubting that I could ever make it to the Olympia. And... Um, I was so firm in my belief that I would make it there that I, I fucking did it. Um, and then the, you know, the next thing is definitely, so believing in yourself is definitely number one and, and kind of like visualizing yourself getting there is a huge thing. Um, make it real to yourself, make it, make it attainable to yourself. Um, don't think of it as, as something that's so far out of your reach that it's going to take you forever to get there. Um, convince yourself and bullshit yourself that this is going to be easy and that you can do this. Um, fake it until you fucking believe it, basically. And then second is be consistent in, in your, in, in the way that you plan on getting there. So consistency with your training, consistency with your diet, consistency with your recovery, you know, consistency with your sleep, all of these things are so super important. But if you only think of your, your journey to the Olympia stage is that, you know, 16, 12 weeks of prep every year, you are never going to make it to the Olympia stage. You need to really think about as that your journey to the Olympia stage is just that it's an entire journey that it never ends. And that even if you're in your quote unquote off season, you, you need to think of it as you're prepped for your prep. And that's what I tell a lot of my clients is like, don't think of this as an off season. You are preparing yourself for your next prep because what you do on that time off is basically creating the muscle tissue and the body that you are going to display on stage when it comes to the end of your prep. So everything that has to do with your training in your life, um, it's going to get you there a lot faster. You know, if you end up... Hello? Oh, I think we cut off for a second there. 
Hello, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I think it's delayed, but yes, the what you're saying to get there faster. I think I don't know. I have you know I've had a few guests say they want to. Um, wh- okay, what is your like your goal? Is your goal to win the Olympia someday? Is that is that one of is that accurate? Um, I mean, would I love to win the Olympia one day? Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, is that my ultimate goal in life? No, not really. My ultimate goal in life is to help as many people that I can achieve their own dreams and goals um, by motivating other people and being a life coach and just being an example for other women to show them that even if you are in a really, like, because when I started this journey in bodybuilding, um, I was in a really dark place in my life. I felt like I really was going nowhere. I was an alcoholic. Um, You know, I wasn't very financially stable. Like, I was in a really shitty spot and I, I never thought that I was even, I mean, the Olympia wasn't even like a thought in my mind at that time. Um, so you can be a person that's like down in the dumps and life is not going well for you and you can turn that shit around and you can be whoever you want to be. And that's what my biggest goal in life is. My biggest goal in life is teaching other women that, they can do this too. They can do whatever the fuck they want in their life as long as they're willing to dedicate their time and their life to it. Um, It just depends on how bad they want it. And no matter where you are in life and no matter how down in the dumps you are, you can fucking climb your way back up and you can make your dreams come true. But you've got to be the one that does it. Um, So I've actually, you know, I've been fortunate enough to make it to the Olympia stage so that I have a huge platform that I can express all of that to women and kind of be a mentor for other women and motivation for other women to achieve their dreams. So um, winning the Olympia would be fucking awesome, but am I going to be destroyed in life if I don't make it there? No, I just think that it's all going to be just another part of my journey and my story and my struggle. And like this year, getting 11th place you know, compared to my fifth place last year, obviously I went down instead of up, but there's always lessons there. So I can't think of it. I never think of it as a failure. I think of it as a lesson and, you know, something that's going to grow me as a person (laughs) and it's going to grow me as an athlete. So, uh, there are definitely a lot of things that I learned this year. And even though I didn't place where I wanted to place, this was definitely like a huge year of transformation for me. Yeah, I feel like you either win or you learn. There's no failure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't focus on that. I think that, you know, failure, I mean, people are afraid of failing. I mean, yes. I used to be like that too. I, I used to be like, oh, I'm, if I fail, I can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, I mean, making these kind of excuses and trying to say why it couldn't. Um, it's really bad for you. It's not going to help you. Um, do I no, think, do no, I th- it's not productive. I do think constructive criticism is great. I mean, if it, if someone's really giving you good advice or trying to give you advice, uh, take it with an open mind. I mean, there's not. Yeah. You know, when you do that and you implement it, you might you might see results. Like um, it takes time and consistency is very important. I mean, it's the most important thing to anything. If you're not consistent with it, you know, you're going to fall off the wagon or whatever you want to say. Um, right. So, 
So, you know, try to, you know, whatever you do. It, exactly. Don't fall. Oh, I think I'm losing you. Can you hear me now? Hello? Oh, now I got you back. Okay. Sorry, you were cutting out for a minute. All right. So, like, do you... Hello? Hello? Can you hear me now? There we go. 